It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. What a game that was last night at the United Center between the Blue Jackets and the Blackhawks. Seesaw battle, well, kind of. The Blue Jackets were up early, and then they went down by two goals, and then uh, Chicago was up. uh, They got it within one. Chicago was up by two again. Then Chicago looked like they were, um, you know, getting poised to take it. In the third period, the Blue Jackets came back. They tied the game and then won it in regulation took the two points from the Chicago Blackhawks six to five the final score yes six to five was the final and if I told you the Blue Jackets scored six goals and Patrick Line had zero would you be surprised well you might be surprised that's absolutely true that's the way it went down last night at the United Center so uh surprising how many goals were scored total, actually. Surprising how many the Blue Jackets got, but even more surprising the number that the Blue Jackets gave up in that game against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks last night. So, anyway, it's a win. A win is a win is a win. Um, you know, they want to tighten it up. They don't want to play that way every single night, but they played that way. They got away with it, and they will move on to the next game, which is going to be uh, tomorrow night in Chicago against the Blackhawks once again. This is CBJ and 30. It's brought to you by Telhio Credit Union. At Telhio Credit Union, they have been putting people above profits since all the way back in 1934. So making you a priority is what they do. It's what they want to do for you. If you're not a customer of theirs yet, well, you can find out why you should be by going to their website at telhio.org. Surf around the site, click on the different tabs, uh, read about the services they have, uh, read and figure out how they can do for you what your current financial institution cannot do for you. The question is simple. Why use a regular bank when you can use a credit union that puts you first above all? Telhio Credit Union. Find them online at telhio.org. All right, let's look at some of the highlights uh, from last night's game. Cam Atkinson, a huge night. First of all, Cam had a shorthanded goal, and that made him the franchise leader in shorthanded goals with 15 now in his career passes Rick Nash in that category. Uh, Atkinson, that was part of a four-point night for him. He had three assists to go with that goal last evening. Also, a multi-point night for Kevin Stenland. He gets the game winner, and that was a goal that went along with an assist that he picked up previously in the evening. Michael Delzato scores his first goal as a Blue Jacket and added an assist. It was a two-point night for him as well. Uh, Seth Jones, uh, Andrew Peak, uh, they had assists, so they had one point apiece. Same is true with Max Domi, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Patrick Line, and Boone Jenner had a goal. So he had one point, but uh, you know his was his was a goal. So uh, all in all, just a good night for the Blue Jackets. Again, I, I say good night, but you know, defensively, this is not how John Tortorella wants to play, but it's how his team played last night and uh, and they got through it and they got the win. And like I said, that's the bottom line, really, right? That is the bottom line. 
So I told you that Patrick Line had one assist. He didn't have any goals in that game. But the important thing is that Patrick Line just went out there and played. He carried the puck. Uh, you know, there was no off-the-ice issues going on, and that is quite different from the last game that the Blue Jackets played. Well, how can there be a problem with a guy on a team, such a problem that he gets benched for much of the second period, all of the third period, has all of the focus on him and his coach and maybe what seems to be the wrong focus on his team for a day or more days because last night was the first game since. How does that happen? And then everybody comes back a couple of days later and says, we're all good. It works. Is that the way it works in your place of business? Is that how it works at your job where – you know, you have a big problem with somebody, they're causing a big distraction and you're unhappy about it and they're unhappy about it. And then just a couple of days later, everything is fine. Does it work like that for you? Why does it work in hockey? And does it really work that way in hockey? Is it an illusion or is it fact? Well, I decided to bring on my own fact checker to talk about that and much more, including, including, the CBJ Cup Tournament, which is going on at the Ice House this week, and the semifinal and the final are going to be played Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Uh, my first guest is going to talk about that a little bit because he was a part of it in the past. And uh, then I've got Jason Zampano of the Blue Jackets, who is running that tournament, that's going to uh, tell us all about it a little bit later on as well. So had a huge win last night. We're going to talk some high school hockey coming up, but again, I want to get back to my first guest here who uh, has some real knowledge because he's been in those rooms. He knows how an NHL team operates, how a hockey team operates. He knows how it is um, with what goes on on the ice and off the ice. Joining me right now is former Blue Jacket and current Fox Sports analyst, Jean-Luc Grandpierre. John, look, one of the things I want to ask you about is dressing room culture. And it's from this standpoint, you know, we saw the situation with Patrick Line earlier in the week. And, you know, a lot of people took it out on John Tortorella. He was benching him for his play. Then the stories come out that uh, there was something more to it. And everybody comes out uh, before the team went to Chicago. And basically they're like, yep, it's all taken care of. We're all good. There's no problem. I think sometimes that's hard for a regular person to understand because in real life, People hold grudges. Uh, they they don't always say what they mean. And I'm not saying the hockey players are 100% truthful, but there is that element of being able to get over situations and put them behind you in a dressing room. As a former player, can you explain how that happens and maybe how it's different than it is in the regular world? I, it's hard to explain it, Bob, but it's a great point the culture and what goes on in the locker room a lot of time you you know you talk about like hockey players you know sports stars you know whatever they live in this bubble and they're literally in their own bubble where they deal with things internally they don't care about the outside noise or what people are going to think you know this is you know the minute that that happened there in Columbus, we heard people, you know, in Canada, they're like, oh, line is already benched, you know, this, this was going to happen. That's outside noise. They don't focus on that. They focus on what needs to be done in that locker room. I think they handle it the right way, but it's, uh, 
it, it's hard because now I'm kind of like in the media and it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh, I wonder what's going on. But as a former player, I know exactly what they're talking about. I know exactly how they dealt with it. And myself as a coach, uh, you know, coaching high school hockey, I've done it before where, you know, I've sat guys that, you know, were my leading scorer and suspend them for two games. And the parents say, well, you need him to win a game. Well, that's not the point. And we're trying to set a standard here and hit the same rules will apply to you. Like it's going to, you know, apply to that, that freshman that's barely playing. It's the same rule for everyone. That's how John Torello operates. And he wants to make sure it's clear. And unfortunately it happened in the fourth game, but you know, the standard is set now and, you know, Patrick Line is going to learn from that. Yeah. And I don't think Patrick Line's parents called John Tortorella. So actually the high school coach has the worst end of the deal, right? Oh, yes, I, I definitely did, you know, and some parents, and you talked about grudge, you know, I had one of my players, his parents hated me all the way till he graduated, they wouldn't even shake my hand at the end when uh, on senior night, because they were that mad at me. But guess what, Bob, the grandparents, they took it a completely different way. They appreciated what I did. And guess what, this player now, I still talk to him once every couple of months, just because on the longer, you know, on the longer term, it changes life, it changes our approach, and you learn from it. And a lot of times you hear John Torella say, hey, I want them to be better players, better human being. As a high school coach, it's the human being, you know, uh, <clears throat> point that you try to get across. And these guys, once they graduate, they see what you did for the right reason. And let's not kid ourselves. These guys now on the team, they are so young. And when you say, hey, I want them to be better men, better per person, you're like, they're so young. They're 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. So they still have a lot to learn. It's not like it's a veteran team of a bunch of 35-year-olds that you're like, hey, it's too late to learn a new trick. So uh, I think John Torella does it the right way. Uh, I don't know John Torella on a personal level like you do, but I can tell you I really admire the way he coaches that team. That's a really good point. We do forget how young these guys are because – you know, during the games, you're seeing them from a distance. They've got all their gear on. It's when you walk into that dressing room. I don't know how you feel about it, but I walk in there and I'm like, holy cow, I am so old in this room. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I, I walk right over to Nick Felino, and, and he's still way younger than I am. <laughs> but I feel right. better about myself, right? Um, but, but you're right. It, it is about molding. And, and I do. That is one of the things that I do like the most about Torts is, is that he is looking at a bigger picture of things, whether you like him or, or you don't like him. He has been consistent throughout his entire career with all of that. And in that culture, that standard, that it doesn't matter if you're a fourth line winger that's going to get, you know, eight minutes a game, or if you're a star player that's going to play 24 minutes a game, uh, when it comes to the rules, everyone has to live by the same rules. Yeah. Everybody has to uh, live by the same rules. And I think more importantly, Torts is not going to hold a grudge against a player. Yes, he was disappointed with the way that Linea conducted himself, but then he dealt with it the very next day. It's dealt with, and then we move on. He's right back in there. He's not going to be like, okay, I'm going to stick you on the fourth line, or you're going to sit out for the next few games because of what you did. There's no grudge. It's been dealt with. I'm sure Patrick apologized, and John, you know, talked to him as well, <clears throat> and you just move on. The rest is just outside noise. Yes, the media is going to talk about it for the next few weeks and, you know, interview requests coming from all over the place. It is what it is. But inside the room, they're ready to move on to Chicago. Now. Did you uh, ever yell at a coach on the bench or be part of a team where somebody did that and there were repercussions in the middle of a game? 
Uh, I've never, not in the NHL. Uh, I've seen the American Hockey League before it happened. And, you know, it was the same treatment. That guy ended up sitting out. Now, I don't know if it was a grudge, but he did sit the next game. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, but uh, he definitely sat the, the next game. And uh, at the time I was in Rochester, so Buffalo, the organization, uh, they sent a couple of their, uh, you know, upper management to come down and talk to the player and make sure that this event would not happen again. So it was dealt with internally as well. And there was a little bit more of a punishment because there was a one game suspension from the club. But, uh, you know, after that, we moved on and that player ended up being a key part of the team. So it was not like the coach was not like, hey, I don't like this player anymore because of what happened. In the heat of the moment, Bob, I'm sure you've done it. I've definitely done it. You'll say things you regret that you didn't necessarily mean to, to, to do or say. Uh, and you just have to learn from these experiences. And again, Patrick Line is only 22 years old. And we look at them and say, hey, he's been in the league for five years. He's still a kid. So there's things to learn. And I think he, he's going to learn from this event. Yeah, you're right. In the heat of the moment, uh, things do happen, especially I'm, I'm sure it's a million times amplified when you're playing in the National Hockey League. And, and, and there's there's plenty of there's plenty of heat going on already uh, for the heat of the moment. Let me ask you this question, though. Can a situation like that be galvanizing for a team? Not not the action itself, but the result of the action, uh, the education of the new player, the reminder for the older players. Can all of that be galvanizing to a team that has been looking to find its stride? Can they use something like that? I think uh, two things happen from, uh, you know, adversity, conflict. Sometimes team will separate themselves and all go their own way. Sometimes teams will come together. For the Blue Jacket, historically, they've come together. And honestly, I don't know how you feel calling it from the radio side, but that third period against Carolina is as united as a group and as Blue Jacket hockey as I've seen this team play. Uh, in a long time, I think they were aggressive on the forecheck. They were sound defensively. They were playing that brand of hockey, you know, blocking shots, a little bit of ugly hockey, if you want to call it that way. But that's as close as a team as I've seen as far as an effort in that third period. And hopefully that trend continues. So I think although it was a bad event, I think it could turn into a good and, a, you know, a changing point for the Blue Jacket season. So hopefully they react the same way and we see that same team. Uh, over uh, in Chicago. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on that. I, I thought it was, well, it was normal. It was Blue Jackets hockey, right? Like you said, in the third period. Right. And, and this is why I think that it was important for two reasons. Number one, everybody knew Patrick's not coming to save us. So we got to figure this out. And if we're going to win the game, we've got to figure out how to do it. That's number one. Number two, from his standpoint, he got a front row seat to watch how this system is played and the the sacrifice and the effort it takes to play within this system. And, and I've said this the last couple of days, and I know it sounds like I'm disrespecting these guys, but I'm not. Eric Robinson doesn't have the talent of a Patrick line, but he is out there busting his hump to give everything that he has and, and utilize the skills that he's really good at. Riley Nash, the same thing. Riley Nash is a big shot block late in the third period there. You know, it's those little things. And I'm not saying that I want Patrick Line to jump in front of, you know, slap shots from the blue line because um, I don't want him to get hurt for crying out loud. But on the same token, I, I think it could be valuable just to watch that again, up close and personal. Listen to what the guys are saying around you. I mean, this is way better than watching it on video, isn't it? 
Oh, it is. And <clears throat> that's exactly what I was going to say next. So I love it that, that you saw the same thing for me. Yeah, so you see a guy like, you know, if you're Patrick Laine, your first line guy, you know, elite scorer, and you see, uh, you know, Eric Robinson or Riley Nash block some shots. But in that third there, on that very last shift, I think, Boone Jenner lays about, I think he's like 25 feet from a clapper. He lays down, takes it to the stomach. You're like, okay, Boone's a third line, second line. But then Cam Atkinson goes and does the same thing. And now you're like, wait, wait, this guy's on the first line with me. He's in a defensive role right now, and he just laid down in front of a clapper from Hamilton, I think, coming at him. That opens your eyes, and that may twinker a little bit your opinion about how you're supposed to play in this system and really makes you feel like, wow, these guys really pulled together. Now I see what that Blue Jacket team is all about. So I completely agree with you there, Bob. All right. Well, now we've covered all of that. I want to shift gears a little bit, especially since you brought up being a high school coach in the past. I'm going to be talking with uh, Jason Zampano of the Blue Jackets and the community development there. The CBJ Cup is going on this week. The CBJ Cup is a high school hockey tournament. Um, all of the varsity teams in the area and JV teams are playing this week. Then next week, it'll be the club teams that play. I'll have Jason explain all of that in just a couple of minutes. But you were an assistant coach in New Albany for a couple of years. And uh, actually, I still feel bad for that group. It was a group that was going to play in the state final four last year. And then COVID-19 ruined it and they never got to play. And then they lost a whole bunch of seniors. And this year it's completely different for them, unfortunately. But um, as you look back to being on that bench in the CBJ Cup, a lot of people don't even know that it goes on. Um, you know, if you're involved in high school hockey and you have a kid that plays it, you do. But this is a great tournament to get geared up for the state tournament, the, the, the state playoffs that'll be starting uh, right afterwards. So as a coach, how excited did your team get when it got to this week to play for the CBJ Cup? I'm really excited. Uh, first thing first, it's extra games that you get because the high school schedule, there's not too many games. You can play a maximum of 35 games, I believe, in the regular season. So that CBJ Cup is extra preparation, not only for state, but a lot of teams that have a whole okay regular season come alive in the CBJ Cup. And then that carries into the uh, uh, the state hockey tournament. And New Albany was a prime example. You know, they lost fairly early in the CBJ Cup, but they, they found this little fire and then somehow end up going to state and, you know, winning, uh, almost winning that tournament uh, that got canceled. But it's, uh, it's fun. Uh, obviously, it is called the CBJ Cup. So it's something that a lot of, you know, if you look in the Columbus area, there's a lot of pride in wanting to win that trophy. But more importantly, it's a great preparation for the state tournament. So I'm glad it's going on again this year. Uh, you know, myself as a, you know, when we start the program in Albany, we won it as a JV team. And I still have that picture, kiss the trophy, just like it was the Stanley Cup. So it's a great accomplishment. And uh, it's a really fun tournament because it's very condensed and uh, a lot of fun for the players. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's great too, and I love that point that you made. It's it's almost a, a second chance tournament if you put it like uh, you did with New Albany. If you don't make a run, like ideally you want to play your best hockey, you want to win the CBJ Cup, and then you want to just carry that right into the state playoffs. But if you happen to stub your toe or not have a good game and you get knocked out of that, then there is that it, second chance. Second chance is that the state playoffs start next week, and now you can make up for it so you get those competitive juices flowing a good week to 10 days before the really real stuff begins right 
Yeah, it is because, uh, you know, I had the high school level again, you know, they, a lot of players that are not, you know, they hear about playoff, but nobody, it doesn't matter what league you're in. You don't understand the intensity you need to bring in the playoffs compared to the regular season because it's do or die. And that CBJ cup is kind of like a mulligan, right? Your first try at, Hey, let me see how I can do under pressure. And it's like, boom. Oh, I got kicked out by a team that was ranked way lower than I was. And then next thing you know, you're like, okay, I've learned from my mistake. Now the state tournament is going to change. That might, that's your second chance. You know, your mulligan right here. You're like, okay, now I know exactly how to approach the situation and really what it takes to win. Let me ask you about uh, high school hockey in, in central Ohio too, because look, you go to the top of the state, Toledo, Cleveland, they've had it for a long time. They're really good. There's really good teams there. Uh, you get to central Ohio. It has progressively gotten better throughout the years. You get down to Cincinnati, they're still trying to find their footing. As a matter of fact, they're trying to find their footing so much that teams like Archbishop Moeller and St. Xavier play in the Capital Hockey Conference. So they play against the Columbus teams because they're they're looking for better competition. They want to continue to get better as some of those other smaller schools in the Cincinnati area start to build and, and get more players. So uh, it, it's been a long process over these 20 years, but you were right in it and, and watched it grow. Where do you think high school hockey is in central Ohio right now? I think it, it's, uh, like you said, it's getting better and better. Uh, obviously, the more competition you, are, you have, the better the league will become. Uh, for me, I look at the, the numbers, uh, the number of teams, first of all, that, that, that is present in that league. It's impressive compared to how it started, you know, 20 or 15 years ago, every other year you see a new district or a new team being created, which is good news. Uh, but for me, the biggest thing that I noticed with high school hockey is a lot of guys that could be playing AAA now are going to play for their high school team. And that is a big, big step because all of a sudden, not only these players have elected, instead of going AAA, they're going to go play high school, which was a big no-no before but it increases the level of everyone else because, you know, you bring a few really talented guys that play at high pace and they come to high school, they're usually a step above while they're raising the level for everyone. And I think that's how the league is going to continue to grow by having some high talented players that could play AAA decide that, Hey, you know what? They want to represent their team and their school. There's just something about it that, you know, the crowds are better in high school hockey than in AAA. And a lot of players, they're like, you know what? I just want to play for my school, be with my line, you know, my uh, schoolmates. And uh, personally, I think it's a great step toward greatness for the high school hockey conference. And hopefully we can grow the league to a level where, you know, maybe not like Minnesota, <laughs> but at <laughs> least, <laughs> you know, at least now if you ask a AAA player to come play for his high school, it used to be like no way in hell, but now they're actually thinking about it. So I think the league is moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's a great point. And if you can get a couple of those guys at the at the same school to do it, it, it just completely changes the program. And, and finally, I tell me if you agree with this assessment. Um, I think in Central Ohio there are several teams that are always going to be in the hunt. They just seem to have. Uh, a high level of talent every year. Olin Tangy Liberty is on that list for me. Upper Arlington is on that list. St. Charles can get on that list. Uh, of course, being a private school, you know, some will argue they have a, an, an advantage there if they want to. Those three, Dublin Jerome always has been. I know they're having a down year right now. But so you always have kind of the usual suspects 
But when you have a team like that New Albany team last year that jumps to the forefront, how good of a sign is that for the hockey in this area that, um, you know, there are other programs that cost, could possibly be up and comers. And maybe instead of having the same three or four every year you're talking about, hopefully that number starts to grow to six, seven or eight. I think it, it, it's a big step. Uh, you know, again, being involved with New Albany, I, when we started, we had nine players and it was like, you know, there was no chance for us that the first season, nine guys, lots of ice time then, though. Yeah, a lot of ice time. That's right. But we built onto that. And then the next season, we had 19 players. And then we moved to varsity. And the program kept growing and growing. So as much as the Blue Jackets, the Columbus Blue Jackets have grown hockey in Central Ohio, I think high school hockey also grows the sport. And with New Albany, now it's a down year. But you look at all the incoming players that get involved just because they heard there was a high school team now. It's incredible. And I think High school hockey helps the growth of hockey just as much as the Blue Jackets do. Uh, it's kind of like th this effect that goes down, 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 and you're seeing it grow more just from high school hockey. So these guys, you know, you don't, you would be amazed by the amount of, when I was coaching parents that were at the squirt level and peewee level, that was like, my, my kid signed up because he wants to play for the high school now that we have a team. And it's kind of crazy. You're like, really? That's the reason you get involved in the sport? But because of the football mentality and the basketball mentality, it, it has done the same thing for hockey. So hopefully we see it continue to grow that way. Yeah, that is a great point. And, and the only other thing I want to ask you about that is what have you done with that great collection of scarves that you used to wear on the bench when you were coaching high school hockey? <laughs> hey, I think I was probably one of the best dressed coach in high school you were, hockey. You might have been – <laughs> For all I know, you could have been the worst coach in high school hockey, but you looked like the best just by standing there. You know, I approach it like my golf game, Bob, as like it doesn't matter how bad you are. If you look good, you feel good. So that's the way I approach the coaching. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but yeah, the collection of scarves, believe it or not, they're still here. Uh, you know, the ties and the suits, obviously, I wear on the air. Can't wear the scarf quite yet. I don't think uh, – Fox is going to agree with uh, my scarf collection on the air, but I still have all of them. And, you know, as it's getting colder and colder every day here, uh, they got to come in handy. <laughs> if they've seen you in that scarf, they'd let you wear it on the desk. I'm telling you, that would, <laughs> I don't know what Brian Giesenslaw would think about it, but uh, it'd be worth trying one time anyway. <laughs> yeah. I got plenty of extra, so I can hook up geese. No problem. Hey, I you can know what? send you one. The, the... <laughs> <laughs> the building's cold now. There are no people in there for crying out loud. Yeah, that the concourse, man, it, it gets, uh, you know, playing with no fans. Uh, you were just talking about it on the air. It's so weird. It's like not only you miss the people, uh, you miss, you miss like the, the interaction with people, and you miss like the smell, right? Yeah. Like nothing is better than sitting at the desk and you're smelling the pizzas and like the bacon on the stick, you know, all these smells. Everything is gone. It's very sterile environment. So hopefully we get some fans in the building here soon. Yeah. And I don't know if people on TV have really noticed you guys have moved out to the concourse. You're not back there by the cannon. Why'd you go out there? Well, Bob almost got hit literally twice live on the air during warmup. Uh, so the, the net that's typically behind the net is not there right now. So pucks are flying into the stands all the time and during warmup, you know, there's a few hundred pucks being shot at and, uh, 
when Florida was in town, uh, we were on the air. <laughs> uh, we weren't on screen, thankfully, but one literally came about five feet from me and hit the wall next to us. So they moved it out. And then when they moved it out, we almost got hit again. So now we're basically pretty much by the what <laughs> by the blue line store. It's pretty much where we're at now. So yeah, yeah, we're you safe. Can, you could come in the main door and shake your hand for crying out loud if you were allowed to do that. But COVID protocol right. say no. <laughs> yeah, no way. So yeah, now the pucks just roll to us instead of like being up in the air. Do you think that that was accidental, or do you think maybe Alexander Winberg just chipped a couple up there for you? You know, I talked to Bob uh, before, uh, Sergey Borowski before the game. And, you know, he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, by the way, you looked good on the air yesterday. And I was like, I asked him, did you deflect that puck up there? He said, oh, no, no, jail. It wasn't me. But so I'm not sure exactly who shot the puck or if Bob actually just put his blocker to, for that puck to come out there. But it was coming at pretty high velocity. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, with that team, there's a lot of suspects, right? Bob, mm -hmm. Wenberg, Duclair, Nudabara. You never know. There are a lot One of guys that know you, man. I, you, there are a lot of guys you might have said something bad about. Could be Billy Zito <laughs> telling guys to clap upstairs. That's right. The order could have come down from the GM. Shoot That's it up right. there during warm-ups. Mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you, John Luke. Always great to talk to you, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. I told you he knew all about it, and he would set everything straight on the dynamics of an NHL dressing room. There was no question in my mind that he could spell that out so that we could all understand that. So thanks to Jean-Luc Grandpierre. Uh, again, he talked about the CBJ cup and about his time as an assistant coach for new Albany high school and being a part of high school hockey in central Ohio. Right now I want to bring in the man that is running the CBJ cup tournament. Uh, actually he's running two CBJ cup tournaments and I'll let him explain that to you. And this is Jason Zampano, who is the grassroots hockey manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, Jason, the CBJ Cup is in full swing, and it will culminate with a championship game on Sunday at the Ice House. Now, you are the man that runs this tournament from the Blue Jackets standpoint. You've also been involved with it uh, as an assistant before you were running the whole doggone thing. Uh, just tell me about this this tournament in general and how it gets the Blue Jackets integrated to the high school hockey community in Central Ohio. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks for having me, Bob. Uh, appreciate the time and always uh, love talking a little bit about some high school hockey. The uh, Blue Jackets Cup is really the end of the regular season tournament for the uh, local high school leagues that we have. We really have uh, two leagues here that operate locally, uh, with that being the Capital Hockey Conference and the Ohio Scholastic Hockey League. Uh, so it's four divisions, four cups, uh, all going on pretty much simultaneous at any chiller rink during the month of February. You're uh, going to see some exciting hockey uh, during that time. And I want to get you to explain about, you said four divisions in two leagues. And I want you to explain why there are two leagues, uh, the difference between the Capital Hockey Conference and then, you know, the other league, which is basically a club league. So for people that aren't really familiar with high school hockey and how it operates here. Uh, can you can you explain what the difference between the two leagues are? Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, a really, really lucky situation here in uh, Columbus where we have two governing bodies that kind of oversee these two leagues. One, uh, the Capital Hockey Conference. Uh, right now, 
we're lucky enough to see this growth over the last 20 years or now 19 varsity teams and nine JV programs playing here uh, locally. Uh, the Ohio Scholastic League, uh, we're looking at another six varsity programs, uh, eight JV programs. Those are the kids that are uh, not tied to necessarily a school where the, the CHC is more of your high school uh, high school something it's, that have teams. It's like, it's like your football team. It's like the varsity yeah. football team, varsity basketball Correct. team, right? Right. And those kids that maybe don't uh, have that offered at their school, uh, another opportunity for them to play is in the club league, which is the Ohio Scholastic Hockey League. Uh, so if you go to Westerville and your Westerville doesn't have a varsity program in the Capital Hockey Conference, you can be still play hockey uh, at a good level. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like co-op teams, if you will. Yes. Like you might yes. have you might have a kid from each of the Westerville schools and then maybe another one is coming from. Well, it could be as far away from Hilliard, depending upon how the rosters. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Situate, right? Yep. Yeah. No, uh, no lines uh, define how they can make up those those leagues and those teams on those leagues. And one thing I think is great, and I guess it's a no-brainer, quite frankly, but it's great that you run two different tournaments. You run one for the varsity-affiliated program, and then you do one for the club teams. I mean, I, I know it's only fair, and that's why I say maybe it's a no-brainer, but it's really important that they are all included, right? And it's just not like, well, your school has a varsity program, so you get to play for this, and you guys are a co-op team, so you don't. Yeah, absolutely. And you think about it this way, too, Bob, is that some of the programs don't always have a varsity program. So some of them are just starting out and growing in there. So we wanted to make sure that we are including those programs, even if they don't have uh, the varsity program on site. So it's it's all inclusive. We want everybody to to experience uh, high school hockey and have the opportunity to play in this uh, this tournament. The reason I wanted to get you on to talk about this is because I didn't even really realize that this was going on until my son was playing high school hockey. And then it came toward the end of the year and they're like, well, we got the CBJ Cup and then the state playoffs. And I'm like, what? What? Well, this is, as you said, it's a tournament before the state playoffs. And really, after watching it go on and being a part of it for a couple of years uh, through my son, I see it as I, this is a great thing to ramp teams up and try to be playing your best hockey going into the state playoffs. And, and for that reason, correct me if I'm wrong, you would know better than me, but this thing becomes very competitive, especially when you get to that final weekend. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, the, the uh, just like you mentioned, as we go along this month of February, so jammed pack here for high school hockey, uh, you know, it really starts with the Blue Jackets Cup, then it gets right into the district tournament. And then we're all of a sudden it's March and we're into the state finals. Um, <clears throat> very, very competitive. Uh, a lot of these teams are going to see each other again. Uh, once they complete the Blue Jackets Cup, they're going to see each other again in the district tournament. You know, uh, you mentioned that uh, it's been busy and it'll be busy all this week because uh, all of these programs are playing at the Chillers all over town. Now, it'll come to the Ice House this weekend for the semis and then for the final, the championship game there. But how nice is it to have all of the buildings and, and all of these chillers, which the Blue Jackets are a part of, to, to be so doggone busy this week with such excitement. Yeah, you know, uh, it's very special for us locally to have all the ice available that we have. Um, and uh, I think it makes it a real easy 
uh, on families that and players that they're they're premier facilities, right? It's not that they're uh, like going back out to the barns, you know, where I grew up down in the, the Wheeling, where we're playing outdoors uh, and maybe had a roof with some fans on top of it. So uh, we're very lucky and fortunate to have the chillers here uh, and the availability of all the ice time. So the so the the teams that wind up at the uh, at the ice house this weekend and eventually the team that wins the CBJ Cup, uh, what kind of recognition do they get? They obviously get a cup, right? Yeah. So we we provide a uh, a, a wide variety of things uh, just to put on the tournament. So we do everything from the printing of the uh, bracket boards that are hung at each chiller location uh, where the tournament's going on. Uh, we provide the labels that, that, that so they can the staff can update them and follow along. Um, just try to make it more inclusive for everybody and get fans on board or you know just maybe you're at the rink with your your might or your mini might and you see that the tournament's going on just to spread some excitement there um, we also do yes have the blue jackets cup trophy that's been passed on for the last 18 20 years uh, it's got everybody's names or not names engraved on it but the winning teams and what year they won so uh you know a lot of those early years when we're five teams or so you know you'd see a lot of thomas worthington because they were the powerhouse back in 1998 2000s uh you know when there was only a handful of teams uh we do that and then we go into the uh actual presentation day of the championship we we award the cup we now have replica trophies of the cup for each team that can take back and display at their school um we also do championship hats uh, seem to be a big hit with the high schoolers. Uh, I can't get them out of the bag fast enough to pass them out before they're they're hounding me and trying to put them on. Uh, you know, just like the NHLers said, you know, every sport has that championship hat, so they love to have those things on. Um, and then, you know, financially, we support with the uh, we actually pay for the championship ice. Uh, you know, helping out there, it's just another uh, level of that that we can add <clears throat> to help these programs out. Yeah. That's one thing that I don't think the regular person understands unless you play hockey or unless you have a kid that plays hockey, you talk about paying for the championship ice. I mean, hockey is unlike any other sport. You can go practice football on any flat piece of ground. It could be a parking lot. If you have to do it like that baseball, it's the same type of a thing. Um, you know, basketball, you can, you can find some playgrounds around if you had to hockey, you gotta be on the ice. And you got to pay to be on the ice. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that, that's part of the deal. And, and, you know, that is, that's quite the bonus right there. And I'm sure every program would say that because when they're budgeting at the beginning of the year, the big, the biggest part of their budget is going to be that ice time they have to buy for practicing games. Yeah. And that's, you know, kudos to the blue jackets and, uh, the ownership group for identifying that early on that we want to be in that high school hockey space and do everything we can to help alleviate any startup costs or, continuing costs providing scholarships all that stuff uh as we continue that's you know 20 years later we're still making sure that those core values are carried on all right so uh the, the play is going on this week teams are getting eliminated throughout the course of the week and then uh when you get down to uh to the big games if you will when it starts to go for all the marbles uh saturday and sunday what time are those uh, semifinal games in the championship game oh Great, great question, Bob. So uh, for the Capital Hockey Conference, we have the uh, championship varsity game at four o'clock at the Ice House. The consolation game would be just before that at two o'clock. 
Um, if we're looking for the junior varsity division at the uh, Capital Hockey Conference level, we're at Sunday, the 14th, and that is at Dublin. So good. Spreading it all around. and Spreading it and all around. Letting and everybody be a part of it. I don't have the OSHL one in front of me, of course. See, I put you right on the spot here. Yeah, so this yeah, is, yeah, yeah. So Sunday, the 16th, so actually the following week is Next the week, yeah. OSHL Junior Varsity at 1 o'clock at North. And then the Varsity should be, I believe, 6 o'clock at the Ice House. Double check. All right. So that's that's the, the club hockey is next week. This week is a varsity hockey uh, that'll go on at the Ice House. So you mentioned earlier that it rolls right from the CBJ Cup into the state tournament. And of course, uh, the last number of years, the state championship game, the semifinal and the championship game have been played uh, at Nationwide Arena. So tell me from your standpoint, and I would say you and your staff, but I know in many cases you're a one-man staff. So let's just talk about what, where, where is your mindset at this time of the year in running the CBJ Cup and then the things that you have to do to prepare eventually for four teams coming in to play the state final game? Yeah, it's always been a little hectic, but uh, it's, uh, if you always think about it, we're, we're going strong with the Blue Jacket season during this time. We'd just been coming back from all-star break and ramping back up. It always seemed like we would have 15 to 20 games in, in the month of February. So on top of that, then to add the uh, Blue Jackets Cup and the uh, uh, finals into there, it's, uh, it's always crazy. But, you know, that's why we uh, do what we do. We love the sport of hockey and uh, just to see the, the faces and the experiences that we're able to provide for these high school kids uh, makes it all worthwhile. Is everything still on schedule to, to do all of those same things this year? Uh, no. So it just uh, came down yesterday that the uh, final four will be hosted at the Ice House. So no nationwide arena this year. All right. and, and really, honestly, it doesn't matter. And I don't mean that in a bad way because uh, it, I don't have to tell you, you know, we're playing in empty buildings with no fans. Um, but, I, but I would still say that the Ice House is a pretty nice facility to come into. Uh, for a hockey player, you're still coming into an NHL city. You're on the NHL practice rink, which is attached to the regular NHL rink, uh, and you still get to be there. So all in all, not a bad experience for those kids. Absolutely. And we'll do everything we can to make sure it's ramped up and, and, and good to go. And uh, one more thing for you. Uh, will there be an all-star game this year? So to be determined, uh, we're looking at, uh, with COVID protocols and everything, who really the all-star game falls under. Um, we are doing a recognition. So, um, but there's uh, rumors around about maybe a Chell tournament for those kids. Maybe you'll have each side play each other, hosted on CBJ Gaming. That's uh pretty exciting way to be able to do it if you can't do it in person yeah and, and so many things we can't do in person anymore unfortunately uh what has that part of it been like for you just the the COVID aspect of it which I give high school hockey a lot of credit because I know that they've just kept on rolling I, I know a lot of them were shut down back in December when the other varsity sports were shut down and that depended upon what school you were with too by the way some of them kept on playing some of them had to put it away for two and a half weeks um but they've made it through they found a way to to get through and get to this point. But as you're setting this up, Jason, this year, you know, how big a part of your life has, have become 
protocols and, and things that you're going to have to do differently so that you can keep these players safe? You know, it's, it's a testament to the OHSAA and their organization. Uh, they've really hit the ground running on this back, you know, now we're almost 11 months ago when we first had to cancel the, the championship and didn't have it. Uh, they really got that first taste of, okay, we're, we're moving past that we weren't able to have it this year, but how can we make sure that we have a season and uh, have a championship for these kids next season? Let's start working on that. So they started working on that 11 months ago, uh, making sure that they had the right plans in place. So having a partner with them and the organization that they run is uh, top notch. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and you're right. The OHSAA, the, the high school association here in Ohio, they, <clears throat> they do deserve a lot of credit because it goes all the way back to football season. I remember in the, in the late summer, uh, there was all that discussion about football. Could they play? Could they not play? They got through that football season, and it's kind of paved the road for uh, basketball and hockey and uh, volleyball, every sport. It, it, it started with football, and you're right. I think that they have been very good in setting up their protocols and making sure that everything has been taken care of. So good on you for bringing up the OHSAA and all the work that they have done. So thanks for getting uh, people educated on the high school hockey uh, tournament, the CBJ Cup tournament. Unfortunately, people can't go and watch it this year, which, uh, which stinks. But hopefully, just for this awareness, and I think, Jason, this is something I'd like to make sure that uh, maybe you and I do this a little bit more often in future seasons. Maybe let's talk a little bit about high school and, and, and try to get it more in people's minds. One of the biggest things that you said during this that stuck out to me is when you're putting those uh, the bracket boards in the chillers, maybe the mites or the mini mites, uh, you know, I think getting those kids interested, not in just Blue Jackets hockey, but in high school hockey, because many of them are going to come up through the system and they're going to play high school hockey. And it's uh, it, it, one, one age level feeds into another age level and they all feed into being Blue Jackets fans. So uh, I wish you nothing but the best of luck and all the work you're going to do here over the course of the next couple of weeks. And, and like I said, and I'm telling you this right now on here on the record, so you don't let me forget. Next season, we got to talk a little bit more about this stuff and, and get people more involved and, and get the Central Ohio high school hockey community a little bit of love once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, would appreciate it for sure. And I can't wait to see uh, how things shake out. A lot of exciting hockey coming up. Jason, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. So there's the man running the CBJ Cup tournaments. That is Jason Zampano. He is the grassroots hockey manager for the Blue Jackets. And uh, that tournament has been underway. And I can tell you they already have the semifinal set in the varsity division. Uh, St. Charles has gotten there by beating Thomas Worthington. Uh, two to one was the score in that one. Olentangy Orange was a winner over Dublin Jerome, four to one. So St. Charles and Orange will advance to play against one another on Saturday night at six o'clock. Then you've got uh, Liberty, who was the number three seed. They beat uh, number six, Archbishop Moeller, three to one to advance. Upper Arlington was a winner over Olentangy Berlin. Shut them out, by the way, five to nothing the final. So the second semifinal game is going to be on Saturday night at eight o'clock at the Ice House, Olentangy Liberty taking on Upper Arlington. And so St. Charles and Olentangy Orange at six o'clock. Liberty in Upper Arlington on Saturday at 8 o'clock at night, and the championship game will be on Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock at the Ice House. Now, as you might imagine, limited attendance. So 
you may not be able to go and you may have some interest in high school hockey and you're not able to go. Well, I can tell you that uh, the Ohio media school is going to be producing those games on video. You'll be able to find it on their YouTube channel score on air, the YouTube channel for the Ohio media school score on air or check out scoreonair.com. So I just want to let you know in case you want to watch those games and um, I am, I'm scheduled to do that championship game uh, with one of the students on Sunday. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, watching uh, these teams go at it. As you heard me say to Jason, I, I really didn't know much about this tournament until my son was playing high school hockey. I think it's uh, it's a big deal. I know the players think it's a really big deal and it's a lot of fun and it is a part of the Blue Jackets uh, giving back to the community. So um, if you'd like to watch those games, you can find them uh, there on that YouTube channel or at scoreonair.com. So the Blue Jackets are getting ready to take on the Chicago Blackhawks in the second and final game of their series. It's actually going to be their last game in Chicago, believe it or not. They've blown out those four road games at the United Center. And uh, that second game is going to be tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. You'll be able to catch all of the action starting with pregame coverage at 7.30 on the Blue Jackets radio network, which includes a flagship station, 97.1 The Fan in Columbus. Also, 7.30 pregame coverage on Fox Sports Ohio tomorrow night. Blue Jackets are going for the sweep in Chicago. Let's see if they can do it. Thanks once again to Jean-Luc Grandpierre and for Jason Zampano for being with me on today's show. That'll do it for the CBJ and 30 presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.